For some poor person, I'm sure it's the love guru. In honor of pop star, never stop, never stopping. What is your favorite performance of an SNL vet? I'm Katie Rich, and I'm going with Joan Cusack and in and out She got an Oscar nomination for that part. She's amazing in it. Everything is great about it. Hey, it's me, David the Seven. Al Franken in the real Senate. Because that happened and is happening. <laughs> I'm Matt Patches, and I'm going to go with Bill Murray. Ever heard of him? He was a movie called Rushmore. It's lovely. Uh, and I'm David Ehrlich, and if Bill Murray's off the table, I will obviously go with Adam Sandler in The Do-Over. Beautiful film. No, Adam Sandler and Funny People, which uh, is a performance that I, I respect all that much more because of how Adam Sandler was able to embody it uh, with every fiber as being on screen and take none of the lessons away from the character to apply <laughs> to his actual career. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then, well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 121 for Wednesday, June 1st, 2016. Two things. On this day in 1980, the first CNN broadcast aired. And also on this day in an undetermined year in the 1980s, Matt Patches was born. Happy birthday, Patches. <laughs> well, I, don't, I, I don't know if you want your age out there. I mean, it's an important one. We are all now in our 30s. <gasps> man. I am 30. Oh, man. Which you should be able to do the math <laughs> and figure out when, what year I was born. That seems I can't. easy. Not if I'm, you listen to this show. Nope. Incapable. So for those of you who have been listening to us for a long time, sorry, we're now all in our 30s. We've all aged together. Which means they're getting old, too. Yep. Time. It spins onward. But happy birthday, Patches. Thank you for joining us on your birthday eve. I'm old! Well, are there any reviews to tell us about oh. how we're aging and how poorly we may be doing so? Are there ever three reviews that I am going to read this evening? Wow. The first and shortest from Mighty Orphan. Funcast Podcast. Now I know about what I didn't know that I didn't know. Five stars. Sure. Deep. Nice. Now, the Slayer 91 says, more fun than being around actual people. Yeah. Over the years, so I've been an avid listener of Fighting in the War Room. Katie, Patches, Dave, and David have become so much more fun to me to be around than most of the people I actually am around on a daily basis. Every episode feels like a fun hangout with enough differing opinions to keep it contentious, but not such constant arguing that I want to turn my ears off. I am a Katie Rich stan and found this hey. after being a longtime fan of another podcast she's on, the Film Experience Podcast. Yeah. And I'm so hashtag blessed that she has so many podcasts for me to listen to on my commute. I hope that her baby is as good of a podcaster as she is so that the lineage <laughs> can continue. Overall, love every personality here and love the relatively high output so that I never have to have real friends again. <laughs> wow. Wait, that took a dark turn. It did. It's all right. I don't think uh, so. We'll be your friends. You guys can tell me how soon I should have the baby on the podcast. We are your friends. Uh, and Drop finally, and most importantly, St. Louis Ribs gives us a review called The Truth. Look, I don't want to admit it any more than anyone else, but it's a fact. No matter how much one must disagree with seemingly everything said, David Ehrlich is ultimately right about absolutely everything. The enjoyment of this podcast comes from hearing the other hosts in vain 
wrestling to reconcile this dilemma they all surely deep down accept to be true with their own sometimes incorrect viewpoints and also from slightly more frequent than most podcast tangents about broadcast news the only movie that has ever mattered to hear this exceptional discussion each week is a privilege and i hope they never do accept the single sanest voice in the room so we may long continue to hear their spirited debates Wow. And now we're going to float away into the sky with David's head as our hot air balloon. <laughs> I'm now sorry I didn't choose Junkie Second Broadcast News, which I almost did for my uh, lightning round answer. Almost. Don't be oh. sad. So close. Be strong. Uh, yeah, please keep leaving us reviews. These are wonderful. <clears throat> I feel like they're really, we're on a good roll right now. Everyone's really yeah, their that first game. one was that first one sounded like a like an Elvis song lyric. Podcast, podcast. What is it? Oh, 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 um. I forgot to remember to forget her. Yeah. It's, that's, that's what his review sounded like. More well, reviews that remind me of Elvis songs, please. Yes, thank you. Full reviews written as Elvis songs. With mm. Elvis yes. Will you titles. sing them in an Elvis voice if they do that? I will. Yes. And that's a promise. I forgot to forget her I can't seem to get her off of my mind For our first segment tonight we are going to be talking about a film that only among all humans Patches and I were brave enough to watch in its entirety uh, So it brave is- that when I admitted to watching it on Twitter people tweeted at me saying that I clearly did not there's no way I would have done that. Even though it's available to you on a very accessible streaming platform. Yes, this was a uh, critical conspiracy. How would I have watched this movie? Why, why, why? Reading, reading the very irate comments on my uh, pan review of this film, I could not believe that all these people actually took the time out of their weekend to watch the film in question. Uh, and that film is, of course... Adam Sandler's The Do-Over, the second of the four films that he is making for Netflix under the agreement that they struck at the end of 2014. The first was The Ridiculous Six, which uh, was one of the most critically acclaimed films of last year. Of came out in December. Uh, and now we have The Do-Over, which seemed to be from the trickle of advanced promotional material that we saw a movie about Adam Sandler and David Spade as old high school buddies who reunited and faked their own deaths in order to, uh, in this MR, you know, men's rights activists of a movie, as so many of Adam Sandler's movies feel like. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if of... the promotional materials are no, broadcasting. No, I actually but... thought the trailers of this movie looked kind of funny and that it was well, more of a David Spade vehicle than an Adam Sandler Well, let me movie. get, it's fair, fine, in the, in the trailer, sure. But let me get through the premise, which is that it, it at least was, it was sold about them faking their deaths so that they could start over and live the lives that they were cheated out of or forfeited that they were entitled to as men. <laughs> uh, you know, hedonistic existences, scoping out babes on a, on a yacht in the ocean somewhere. Men deserve buds. mansions. That and is living the theme. in mansions and shooting some guns uh, and just being dudes, you know? Uh, and it turns out that that's kind of the movie. Uh, for those of you who didn't take nearly two hours of your weekend, or in my case, a very early Friday morning to, to watch The Do-Over, 
which is directed by a man, I believe his name. I'm I'm not going to look this up because Stephen Brill. I was going to say Stephen Brill. God damn it! Let me get there. Uh, Which who, other Sandler movies has this guy made? Well, he wrote he made Little, Little Nicky. Nicky. Yeah. He wow. Directed, did he direct Little Nicky as well? He, he did yeah. direct Little Nicky. Yeah. He did Drill Bit Taylor. Drill uh, he actually directed Heavyweights. He's as much an Apatow guy as he is. Yeah, as much well, as Drill Bit I mean, Taylor not, has no uh, has no Sandler connection at yeah, all. Yeah, but you're not going to see Stephen Brill's name on like the good Apatow movies, <laughs> um, nor True. even the good Adam Sandler movies. So, but this guy's been kicking around Hollywood for, Hollywood for a while, and when Adam Sandler needed someone to roll camera on his paid vacation to Georgia and to Puerto Rico, he got Stephen Brill to come along uh, and throw in some two shots and turn the camera on. Uh, but what this movie is actually about, although the premise as we described it is, is pretty close, but that's really just the beginning. Uh, of course, David Spade is uh, married to a... Because women, all women, as... Every listeners of this podcast well know are either sluts or shrews, uh, or uh, sometimes a combination of both, as is the case with David Spade's wife in this movie, who's played by Natasha Leggero, uh, who is we meet as she at their high school reunion is grinding with her ex husband on the dance floor, played by uh, Sean Astin, unrecognizable. That was Sean Astin. Jesus. Yes, <laughs> I saw his name on IMDb, and I was like, oh, I guess it was covered in hair, play. covered in Whoa. hair. Uh, so, like what kind? Like Hobbit hair or like beyond he's also like Hobbit hair? Bulky. No, like grizzly beard, kind of. Yeah. Just like un- wow. un- un- unrecognizable. Of, unrecognizable. Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, oh, he's and he's stuck raising Sean Astin's kid, uh, and he works in a bank that is in a supermarket, and so everyone just laughs at him for working in a supermarket. But then he meets Adam Sandler, his old buddy from high school, and you can tell that Adam Sandler's a real cool, funny guy because. His name is Max, but his name tag at the reunion says MaxiPad, which uh, is an allusion to menstruation, um, which is something that women do when they shed their uterine linings. And what's uh, weird is he meets him right in the first scene of the movie. Yeah. There's no Uh, setup to this movie, and yet it's two hours long. Um, (laughs) But uh, so they they go to Puerto Rico on a boat, and some shit happens. But then one night... Adam Sandler's character drugs David Spade with all the roofies that you assume Adam Sandler's character always has on hand uh, and removes him from the boat and blows up the boat, pretends that they died in the explosion, puts two bodies in there, uh, and they begin their new lives. He is, without consulting with David Spade, he's like, I've taken you away from your old life. It's it's worth noting that Sandler pretends or... Sandler says that he is working for the FBI at this yeah. point. And sure. Has, I mean, there are many is layers. Is that worth noting? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, it's quickly forgotten. Well, it is, it is worth noting because Sandler has a hero complex. And I think yeah. for the last 10 years, he's only played heroic men or badasses. You know, Ridiculous sure. Six, if you sat through that one. Didn't. He is this, like, Native American warrior for some the reason. The he, he cannot play a lesser man in any sure. situation. Sure. Um, so here's the thing, though. It turns out that the identities of the men whose bodies they were already deceased and whose bodies they put in the boat. Right. He works uh, at a morgue, so he has yes. access to bodies. Or, or so oh he my claims. God. Yeah. It's hard to see. Yeah. This is, all, this is all just like lines of dialogue. Are like, these yeah, cut scenes morgue. from Bad Boys 2? Like the corpses that they uh, roll over <laughs> no, but on the no, Yes, exactly. Nobody ever actually takes the time to visualize any of this. So, like, you know, they can just sort of make it up on the fly. Uh, oh, shit, we needed a reason for him to have access to these bodies. Yeah, I work in a mortuary. Uh, he is... Uh, the, the two bodies were involved in 
deeper shenanigans than either of these two gentlemen were, the, the, the stars who were taking over their identities, that while they have a very fancy mansion, uh, it turns out that they may have gotten it by ill-gotten gains. They may have been involved in a conspiracy. There is a, in a one amusing twist for fans of Funny People, the actor who plays the doctor in Funny People, who they joke about being looking like the, the bad guy from Die Hard, essentially plays, in this movie, the bad guy from Die Hard. Yep. He's the lead terrorist. Um, he's very acrobatic. He is, of course, uh, his one weakness is gay panic, this being an Adam Sandler movie. Uh, that That is a constant... Um, so but, he's panicked over gay people, not Adam Sandler. Oh, everyone's panicked over gay people. Well, actually, yeah. the, the twist is constantly that well, the, the everyone's kind people. of cautious about coming off as gay, but Adam Sandler constantly makes jokes where it's like, you know what? It's okay. Like, look at where he, he at one point he meets this kind of brute guy who turns out to be gay, and the, their parting ways is Sandler being like, look at my face. Feel free to masturbate to my face later. This is, uh, take, a, wow. take a photo. Yes, because the, yeah, the joke of I don't fly that way, but you can have me. Exactly. It always comes back to Sandler. There's like a, it's a song in that movie, Popstar, which I think I'm the only one currently seen, uh, which, you know, the song that Andy Samberg's character sings is a parody of Macklemore's song about gay rights and the whole thing is like in between every line it's like i'm not gay <laughs> it's just like this constant refrain of him that- like being a, a terrified that someone will think that he is gay and that is uh sort of the running joke that but sandler i think is, is actually like he thinks this is the height of humor uh, not only is sandler married to salma hayek in two grown-ups movies but uh, he just assumes that all gay men want to masturbate to his face this makes perfect yes sense. um but and the, the two men whose identities they're assuming are were gay lovers it turns out and uh <laughs> and one was married spo- to paula spo- Patton. yeah spoiler alert uh they were involved in the cure for cancer this is a movie that about 40 minutes into it becomes about finding the cure for cancer oh <laughs> uh, we're running out of time and we've only just begun uh, to peel yes. back the layers of this yeah guys why are we, we why are we talking about this we movie? haven't even gotten to paula Patton, who uh it, it, you know all I'll say is that the movie is true to the dichotomy about women that I mentioned at the top of the segment. Um, poor Paula Batten. Anyway. Yes, this is definitely a movie that shrew. ends. This movie what, what ends this? with David Spade beating a woman and saying, this is for every woman yes, who, like, that, crossed me or dumped yes. me. or It's pretty <laughs> horrific. That Holy is actually shit. how this movie ends. Uh, and I think why we're talking about it is just because here's a movie where, at least in terms of this, like, the scale of the plot. And this is a movie that Sandler didn't write. This was written by people who I don't think had ever written for Sandler before. I don't know if they've ever written for anyone before. Uh, he is in his own way spreading his wings a little bit. And it's enough to make you wish that he wouldn't. I mean, for years, I feel like the refrain about Adam Sandler has been, um, you know, if only he tried, if only he ever wore anything besides gym shorts to uh, late night talk show interviews and reflected that, sort of greater e- working ethos, that ethic on, on screen, maybe he could make the films independently that he makes with Paul Thomas Anderson or Judd Apatow, or even you know, faint shades of uh, or shadows of those movies. But I think what the do-over teaches us, even if he's churning these movies out as part of the Netflix deal, he still he's done two now, he has two more to go, that Adam Sandler trying when left to his own devices is actually a lot worse I, than him just coasting. We we both do not like this movie, but I disagree with that statement having seen, I think I've seen every Adam Sandler movie. Have you seen both Grown Ups? Have you seen Just Go With It, his 
misogynistic rom com with it. I with, have uh, not Jeff seen Rainsley. Grown Ups two. Um, what's What's interesting about Sandler is that uh, a lot of his movies are basically just his sitcom, his three camera sitcom, blown up to the big screen. Like he, his movies are like Everybody Loves Raymond, except he. This is a sitcom that never television. existed. To be clear, this right, is what, exactly. what it would be like if it did. But movies like Pixels and even looking back, like Jack and Jill, <laughs> or or some of his more high concept ones, like Zohan, uh, maybe even that that's my boy, like Pushing Hard R. That stuff does pay off. Uh, high concept works for him, especially when he doesn't Click. have to be the hero, which is a is <laughs> way beyond that. Um, but he he needs to be in a different position, and especially if he's a side character or if he's. As long as he can't just stew in his ideology, which is what his sitcoms like, um, blended the Drew Barrymore rom com that he did a few years ago. Another, I mean, the true auteur of Adam Sandler's films is his travel agent. As David mentioned, this, his, all of his movies go on vacation. It's crazy. I couldn't believe when the do over went to Puerto Rico. It's insane. Like, and it hey, really the is Puerto just. Puerto Rico photography looks wonderful. I mean, actually, uh, it does. I mean, uh, the, the mansion they stay in, I, w- I want to go yeah, there. Port- Puerto Rico is having some, uh, some difficulties right now, but they're. This movie is nothing if not an advertisement for their <laughs> but tourism. Um, it's, anyway. it's allowing him to just kind of stew in his ideology where he is shooting the shit with his buddies. You know, David Spade got me excited to see the do-over. He had a great interview with Mark Marin where he talked about, like, finally, we're getting a shot to do a movie that the studios probably wouldn't make because I'm the star of it, and it's kind of an action comedy, kind of. Uh, and he, he got me excited to see this movie. They're doing their thing, uh, and Netflix gives them the freedom. But again, it's just them talking about hating women and deserving what the world isn't giving them. Clearly, both of them got what the you know, what the world was giving them. But you know, if you it's, are it's listening, if you uh, are one of those people who uh, already has it out for the new Ghostbusters movie because it stars women, and you know that's why you hate it, and like regardless of what the trailers are, uh, this is the movie for you. Also, please stop listening to our podcast. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, and uh, that is the do over. <laughs> hey, okay, just calm down. Don't get your diapers in a bunch. Hey, there's the nipple for lunch. Oh my goodness. You have built-in auto-tune. Hey, you better stop that mechanical crying soon. Hey, imagine. It's just a couple months ago you was in my testicle. Now you are screaming and walking great spectacle. Hey, this generation is going to destroy the nation. Uh... Everybody Katie, getting aggressive. You Some time for you to are about to have a baby. True. True or false? True. True. That's been our segment. Uh, no. <laughs> but, but sometimes people, when they have babies, do things with them. Oh. Not like Serbian you're, film. You're really Dave. setting this up to get dark. Please, no. please finish this. But things for profit. That you may not necessarily agree with. <laughs> Still dark. Still not making it better. Katie, can you can you tell me what I'm talking about? We're talking and, about uh, child actors mm. in legitimate movies, specifically babies, because this is where the the thought experiment came up with Patches. I I, like, I don't know if I've talked about it much on here, but I'm generally anti child actors. I feel like it's not really a good thing to do to your kids. It's not a good way to grow up. It's more likely to fuck with them than not. Jacob Tremblay should not have been nominated for an Oscar, and I'm glad he wasn't. <laughs> Uh, but Patrick and I were talking about babies and specifically like bringing what an eight month old to a set for one day 
right? Yeah. This, is, this is and this is the thought experiment. I, well, I think the thought experiment started with me having too many drinks and screaming. Why wouldn't you put your baby in a Darren Aronofsky movie? I'm not that's sure true. why he was We're assuming example. that Darren Aronofsky wants to but cast. But that's the one baby. prestigious director. You know, you need shoots like, in New York. You know, you yeah, don't have to travel. Exactly, it's right next door. Would you take him? Well, one, would you take your kid on an audition? A baby, where it really is just like, does the baby look right on camera? Yes. Okay, the baby's in the movie, and the and baby then, is not really aware of them being auditioned for something. Like, it's not like they have an ego writing. Exactly. So you're not warping the kid like you might if you have uh, worries over child actors and being a, a stage mom or something and kind of getting lost in that in that world. No, none of that is really in the baby conversation because they're not going to remember it. So this is really just you're just going to make money off your baby early on. Uh, and maybe you would put it away for them. You would put in a college fund or something. Uh, w- would you do it? What's the consequence? Why wouldn't you want to make some money off your baby if they looked good enough for the movies, for the moving pictures? Uh, yeah, my argument was still no. I think because I'm enough of a high hardliner on child acting, I think it's a slippery slope and it's a way to get lead toward becoming a stage mom. Uh, but Dave and David, uh, what about your hypothetical babies? Would you do this? I think babies should be exploited for labor however they can. Uh, I mean, they, the salt they mines? Yeah, the, they contribute uh, very little to Pacifier society. mines? So I think that they should give back or we should take back what they cannot willingly give. <laughs> uh, the Adam Sandler movie? I, it's starting to sound like one. I will say that uh, no, generally I'm I'm like don't don't punish your children, uh, but I found myself surprisingly enjoying how the very recognizable baby from Neighbors, and this is you almost never see this actually reprises her role. I think it was twins, but reprises their or her role as the slightly older toddler young child in Neighbors Two, and you can tell instantly, and it adds an authenticity. To, and sort of a uh, consistency to the family unit in that movie that it really helps sort of, I don't know, like galvanize that movie and connect it to the first one and, and get like this greater arc between the two. And I really appreciate it. Well, and in that rare case, I was like, I'm glad that they brought their It baby. pays off for the movie, but it doesn't necessarily pay off for the family. <laughs> That's the slippery slope, right? That- oh, I think it's fine. I want to hear oh, okay. what Dave, I, I want to hear what Dave <laughs> thinks of this because I feel like Dave's going to be the most uh, ruthless and rational of us all. Well, you'd think so. I mean... Uh, uh, if if I was dealing with just hypothetical babies, I'd probably say, like, yeah, cash in on your baby. But uh, with my friends uh, having some kids that are just approaching or passing their one-year birthdays, I would say, like, if you were talking to, like, a hypothetical eight-month-old, at this point you know your baby. And my primary concern would be, like, the difference between taking your baby to, you know somewhere that's really well lit for a few hours and letting the baby be in a movie is that there's a certain, you know, uh, expectation that it's going to stay temperamentally nice for a certain period of time while they're shooting this movie. And if you think your baby can do that, great. If you think your baby's going to start being fussy and then you're going to get all stressed out because you're like a stage parent and then like you're crossing a line that's like weird, definitely not. But like I have one of my friend's kids is like sort of introverted and would probably not be good with it. But another one of my friend's kids is like been an extrovert, smiley baby that like smiles back at everything since she was like five months old. So like if you need a smiley baby part for a sitcom, that baby I'd put it I'd put in everything. But and the, the uh, worry you know, there is it. the Full House uh, mode, right? Yeah. Like then if you're, you then if you're you get stuck. caught as the baby in Full House, you're gonna be in it for for years. 
Uh, it, well, uh, then it becomes like a, a contract sort of situation, the, uh, I guess. The outlier. It's a bit of the exception to the rule. Sure. Uh, I don't think that parents are too worried about the full house phenomenon repeating itself. And if they are, they're probably like, oh no, our babies are going to become billionaires. Yeah, well, there's two fucked terrible. up lives from there. There's two, positive, of- there's two positive full house narratives here. One, you become the Olsen twins and you work the entire length of the show. And then in your 20s, you go straight into like uh, fashion moguldom. Uh, and then you're just caught up in, in the biz and you lose those kids. Or or you're the other set of twins in Full House where you actually benefit. You only have to be in the show for like three or four years. You're still a toddler when it ends. And then because you were smart enough to get in on it early, 20 years later, you're grown up, you went to school, you're normal, and then you get to be in the fucking reboot, Fuller House. Right. <laughs> well, to end, to end this mini segment, Katie... Yes. You are almost nine months pregnant. Yeah. If you right now, if someone was like, your baby will have a fucked up life, but they will make nearly a billion dollars doing it. A billion dollars? Nearly a billion. Have the Olsen twins made that much? Jesus. I don't know. I mean, you know, more closer to a billion than I have made. Uh, <laughs> would you take that deal? I would not take that deal. Wow. And actually, I, I here's how to end this segment. You couldn't take the deal. Because, as I did more research about this after our drunken argument, Katie, um, you have to have twins if you want your baby to be in a commercial or be in a television show. You can't be a single baby because the single baby cannot work long enough. But if you have twins, you have to put them in movies. That might be true. That's a law. That's the rule. Ladies and gentlemen, my grandson crime baby! For our third segment tonight, some some news from the world of men, uh, where a man men are doing great these days, guys. It's been a great week for men. Jonald Depp. John, uh, full name. John. What's his full name? No, John. John. I think it's John. I'm going to go Jonald. Jobby. Uh, where Jonald Depp, John Christopher Johnny Depp two. This is his full name from Owensboro, Kentucky. Two. Uh, yes, his marriage. He had a rough week, Mister Jonald Depp. He his week started with the death of his mother is unfortunate and ended i mean really the the low point of his week i think arguably even worse than the loss of a family member would be the release of alice through the looking glass but uh i guess there is an argument there i'd like to hear it sometime (laughs) um only in the way that johnny depp could do uh it turns out that neither of those things was actually the (laughs) we're all we're talking nebulous concepts of worst but it's all they're all (laughs) arguable here uh, either way, there was a third very bad thing that didn't happen to Johnny Depp so much as he caused, uh, which was... Allegedly, we should probably, I mean... <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Thank for you. our lawyers listening. Yes, uh, which was the divorce from his wife of one year, Amberold 
bird. Um, We're treating this with all the levity it deserves thus far. Um, Who... Uh, no, it's, it's a very unfortunate issue, particularly when you extrapolate it, not just from this one particular instance, but to uh, the sort of p- epidemic of, of case of domestic abuse. Uh, no, I'm being too serious, which is, uh, you know, this is, this is not an isolated incident, either in their uh, short-lived marriage or in marriages to in relationships to men in general, especially <laughs> men in powerful positions. Tell me more. Uh, he Get out of that hole, David. Keep going. <laughs> he uh, physically abused her, and she filed for divorce and a restraining order, which was granted by the judge until uh, a month later when they'll revisit the case. Uh, he threw an iPhone at her head, connected. It was apparently not their first fight. There are many stories that, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably at least passingly familiar with. Um, as familiar with them as you may want to be, if not more so, because they are all very unpleasant. Uh, Johnny Depp has a long history with substance abuse and apparently with alcoholism, and apparently those issues persist, which I bring up not as an excuse, but maybe just to paint a more vivid picture of what happened here. Uh, but we are not here to argue necessarily whether or not you know, what, what, what may have happened behind closed doors. Uh, the details are out there and they are rather vivid um and you can come to your own conclusions i don't really think there's a way to sell this that sounds particularly good for johnny tep um uh and it's unfortunate uh but the real issue here is well not the real issue here that is the wrong way of putting it but an issue here if we are looking at it from a corporate perspective which uh, of course the most important way to look at anything is you are disney you have uh, already dug yourself a little bit of a hole by greenlighting a fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie that nobody asked for. It is already in the can, or at least partially there. I'm not. I, I believe it's. I think in the it's done. Phil. Not only is it in the can, it was in the can yeah. last year. All right. Yeah, because he uh, he is not busy shooting it now. He was um, doing press for for Alice through the Looking Glass, and I don't believe there were any reports that he was going back to sets. So uh, yeah, I think this is this one is done. Um, as far as his involvement is concerned. Uh, it comes out next Memorial Day, which is an eon away in Hollywood years. Uh, you have a movie that nobody wants. You have a, a sinking property. You have a star who is now one of the most loathed celebrities on Earth. Uh, what do you do? What can you do? Well, let's backtrack here. Uh, one... You claim that no one asked for Pirates of the Caribbean 5, which I believe the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie made a lot of money at the box office. Yeah, I believe it made over a billion dollars worldwide. That's uh, And now no, it didn't make really? too much money here. It made $240 million here at home. It made $800 million around the world. So Is when, that really proof that anybody wants another one yes think, actually it's proof I that people Alice will see and, it people well will alice through the looking glass seems to be proof to me that the box office results from the previous installment even though alice uh, in wonderland was the first movie in uh, uh it'll be gotten franchise rather than the fourth that box office receipts especially those in international variety, may not indicate that there is any appetite for another movie, particularly when the preceding one was so refined. Well, Alice Through the Looking Glass has made twice as much around the world as it has here, so we'll see. Well, when you make $8 here and you make $16 abroad, it's, uh, you know, I think everyone's going to be... The point is, people want 
will watch a fifth Pirates of the Caribbean around the world, whether or not they do here at home. And the last uh, Pirates I, well, I was we can, we, a long time start. ago, as was Alice in Wonderland. Just the... I guess that's true. Yes, How long but ago I think was it? 2011. Wow. It's probably a safe assumption that um, unless the already in the can Pirates of the Caribbean movie doesn't revolve around passing the baton to a new generation of stars, that this will be the last Pirates not of the Caribbean Not only does movie. it not involve passing the baton, Orlando Bloom is in it this time. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so say goodbye to the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Um, I want to hear from Dave, uh, king of the mega franchises, because this is a weird one. Yeah, no, and this is a unique one. Uh, have any of you guys, uh, none of you guys are creepy people like me that watch theme park rides on YouTube, right? No. Nope. All right, the new <laughs> Shanghai Disneyland Pirates of the Caribbean ride open, and it is, from a standpoint of technology, amazing, and has nothing to do with the Pirates of the Caribbean that's at the traditional Disneyland, Disney World, because those are like legacy projects in America. Uh, outside of here, no one gives a shit. They all think it's Johnny Depp franchise. So he's, you know, shows up. It's basically him and Davy Jones doing doing stuff in a language I don't recognize, and nobody's translated the full ride yet, but we're, we're going to get there. Um, so it's not like Johnny Depp could go down as a movie star, but they've lashed him so tightly to this franchise, his franchise, the one that sort of gave everybody the thought that maybe he could be profitable, even if they didn't like the dailies that were coming back. Thanks, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Curse of the Black Pearl. Um, but now it's like there are millions of dollars tied into the image of Johnny Depp. So I wonder if the best thing that D- to Disney to do is to limit him to only pirate movies and allow him to sort of semi-retire out of his contract. What does his because contract have him doing France. now? Um, we don't know, but like Patches said, there hasn't been any indication that this is the last Pirates uh, you know, maybe they're backing uh, a, a dump truck of money. I think there has been some indication house. that this is the last pirates, like uh, Johnny Depp beating his wife. Well, okay, well, so that's that's different. Yeah, and- like there's a pay or play contract, or there isn't, and we don't know. But even if there isn't, his face is like in theme park rides, and it's him, and it's his performance. Yeah, and if they have him on the hook to be in more of these, and they decide they don't want to, they have to pay him well, a lot of money to not. What's make interesting. Those which speaks to, I think, the points that everyone else is making, is that these sorts of allegations, uh, regardless of how much proof comes along with them, may not carry the same weight internationally. That well, they do I would here. 100% say that that is, is the deciding factor here, and, like, and it, I don't think it will. Uh, well, yeah. one, because I'm trying to think of how many scandals have really sunk actors in North America uh, I'm, Mel I mean, Mel Gibson would be the biggest one. But Shane Black not, will tell you that Mel Gibson cannot make a movie in North America. So there you go. Despite the fact he, that he is he going was, to direct one and put it out during award season. We'll see. I mean, Mel Gibson was never. Well, not never. Never is a long time. But he has not been. Uh, and when he was revealed to be the tyrant that he is, his fame was not anywhere near no, on a global true. level what Johnny Depp's is now. That's, that's true, true, but he was a North American star. I mean, Edge of Darkness was a was a, one of the last like medium sized thrillers to kind of come through the studio system, and then that all went down at that yeah, time. Yeah, he just he wasn't a franchise on the level that Johnny Depp is now. But few no, people, he, I, no. yeah, never his have face been. was not on Euro Disney. Rock. But how many claims of Scientology does Tom Cruise have to be slapped with? To, yeah. To actually come down in any way. Well, I mean, Scientology is not. I mean, sci- he may be responsible or have uh, empowered evils the likes of which exceed 
what one man uh, can do to one other person, but he is not personally. There's no mm. evidence that he's personally involved in that. It doesn't have quite. The, we think of him. There as have a crazy been claims against with, him directly. No, but we think of him as a crazy person and with good reason. But there's not like a smoking gun of him shooting someone else in the face or, putting or punching someone else in the face yeah. you know yeah i mean i think if you're disney you do what the internet has already been doing which is casting doubt on whether or not she's telling the truth that's something that johnny depp's lawyers have been doing Ugh. that various people and you know paul bettany showed up to say it's a he said he said she said thing like there's already people well, who are out there who will ha- who will happily believe she's making it up because she wants the money and they're not gonna have a problem with don't, it don't well, Dis- uh, disney would be better off just letting i mean all the caveats of it being sort of gross so this is even possible, but letting it, finger quotes, blow over between now and... Yeah, exactly. But you don't think in the meantime they can, like, plant someone out there to be like, hey, maybe this isn't... I mean, sure, it seems very within the realm of possibility that that company is behind people casting down Amber Heard. I'm not saying I have any information to prove it, but it seems totally possible. I don't don't think Pirates of the Caribbean 5 will be the last Pirates of the Caribbean if that movie makes gangbusters money, which it definitely could. Because, like you said, David, the international audience loves Johnny Depp. I will never forget going to the international junket for Alice, the first Alice movie, in London, and being in a room full of journalists from around the world, from Japan, from India, from parts of Africa, from every corner of the planet in a conference room with me and Johnny Depp it was like it was crazy it was madness and it would and they just salivate at the sight of him it was I mean this is why the tourist was huge right? oh, it's good. It's just, like, I just wanted to bring up my favorite box office stat the tourist made 210 million dollars internationally yeah he just has a currency to him and people people want to know people like the gossip element of him Two, uh, you know, in the case of Alice, it was harmless, which was, and here's my nondescript international journalist voice. Uh, Johnny, Johnny, uh, did you make your own hat? That was a, <laughs> a big question of the of the night uh, with Johnny Depp. And he did not make his own hats uh-huh. in the first Alice movie. I should just be clear. Uh, I mean, but they love him. Disney, they love him. I, I think everyone could wait for this to blow over unless it ends up being so demonstrably, provably true that. Uh, the past starts to fall out under Johnny Depp's how, feet. How demonstrably does it need to be? Like, more than photos of Amber Heard's face with an iPhone-shaped impression on her temple? Yep, definitely. Maybe, maybe the better, the better yes. question is, for all of us, like, when do you lose faith, lose interest in an actor? Now, Johnny Depp is probably a bad example, because a lot <laughs> yeah, of us don't think, really yeah. give he a shit what he's doing. He didn't need to beat anyone for me to lose interest in him. I mean, I liked Black Mass. Katie, you kind of liked Black Mass. Yeah. I refuse to see Black Mass because I so am out of the Johnny Depp business. I mean, I like Black Mass just fine, but no, I mean, I feel firmly that he's a piece of shit. That doesn't mean I'm like going to boycott whatever movie he sees, but I'm not going to shell, I'm not going to support him in public. Let let me use a different example. What about a guy like Alec Baldwin who has screamed at his 11 year old daughter and called her awful names on, on a tape that we have now all heard he's used gay slurs he lost his msnbc show way back when because he used gay slurs in in some situation the man is undamaged right he has done some horrible things over his lifetime and they've made their way into the headlines and yet we love 30 rock right i can't wait to see the guy host the match game well the man is undamaged because of 30 rock 
But like, yeah, so when do you when when do these chips on these celebrities become it's too really, big that you lose faith that you can't really watch hard. them anymore? Though, I mean, it's, like, this is the Robin Flansky and Woody Allen question too. That I well, yeah, a lot this of is uh, with. we had an indie IndieWire roundtable about this last week because uh, you know it's a new Woody Allen movie and therefore there's another bout of conversation about this. And my contribution to the conversation was essentially saying that everybody needs to draw their own line in the sand. Uh, and that that's pretty much the beginning and end sure. of it. That you know, but what's no... but what? I, well, I'm asking you, you guys personally. What is your line in the sand? I don't know if I have a specific line in the sand. Like, draw your I, line don't, in the I sand. don't know what that what action I would take to draw that line in the sand. Like, I'm no interested black... in Pirates of the Caribbean five, not because I think it's going to be a good movie. I'm interested in it as a story, as a product that exists in the world, and I'll probably see it for that while all the while watching Johnny Depp right. and saying you had too much power and privilege and you were able to beat a woman as a result. Yeah, I mean, you know, and of course it, it comes down to your interest in the subject. I mean, like if Sofia Coppola ate a baby on live streaming Periscope next weekend, uh, you could not physically stop me from seeing her remake. What if it was Beguiled. Katie's baby? I'd be really upset yeah, and David, very conflicted. But it's At least she didn't use meerkat. Would you try to stop her at least? <laughs> yes. If I if it were in my ability, I would There's say There's no Sophia, chat please, mechanism on Periscope. Please. Sorry. Uh, there there are comments. You can make little comments. Oh, um, there's hope. For your baby. <laughs> uh, for please baby. stop I'm, eating that baby. I'd be I love very your movies. About it, but like once the lights went down, I'd be like, all right. Uh, she speaks my language. But, you know, for me, I, I try to look through my own sort of personal metrics and see where it becomes harder for me to um, to engage with somebody's art, to, where it becomes harder for me to separate the art from the artist. I think serial behavior is a big factor. Of course, none of this is black and white. None of it is like, you know, one-time offenders, yes, serial offenders, no. Or that there are, you know, some one-time offenders who are, they just get a pass because they only did it once. But I do think that... Um, a big factor in uh, Bill Cosby is sort of the extreme because I don't think wherever you draw the line in the sand, I don't think there's any person on earth whose line I was, accommodates. I was about to for say, will you be revisiting Leonard Part Six anytime <laughs> soon? No, but I think that you know there are. I think one of the things about Woody Allen that makes it easier for people to dismiss the everything around him, or not dismiss, but a disregard when considering yeah his sure movie. no in the context of sitting down and paying money to see his movies is that we're talking um and yes people are creeped out by his marriage but for the most part when you're talking about criminal allegations you're talking about a one-time incident uh and yeah it does not help people in that situation that that there is no um provable evidence there's, there's testimony i think it's you know my own personal feelings about the matter uh I, I, ne- I don't necessarily assume that he is innocent of anything, um, but I do think that you know, on, a, on a level beyond logical thought, when it's really just at a guttural level, uh, when you're debating whether or not you're going to watch that trailer or, or check out that movie, I do think that um, serial behavior is a huge factor for a lot of people. I mean, Bill Cosby is the interesting example because I think he points to something about it. Being about someone's person, like serial behavior was obviously part of it, but like liking Bill Cosby's work is dependent on liking Bill Cosby. And Johnny Depp and Tom Cruise, to some extent, are kind of part of larger systems where you don't have to like, like, I can't stand Ricky Gervais. And I, it's, he hasn't done anything horrible on the level that these guys have done that I know of. (laughs) But his personality is noxious to me. And it's, it's different in a way when you have actors. I'm not saying it's right or, 
the right way to consider their work, but it's uh, it, it does allow for actors to kind of have a, uh, you know, to get away with it in this way. Mm-hmm. I guess mine is much more an emotional thing, which probably means it's unfair, but, uh, like, it, what, like, even with Bill Cosby, there was, like, a line. Like, my first initial reaction is allegations are allegations. Let's see how this shakes out. But then, like, you know, with, like, three people, four people have, like, the same story, and that story involves, like, suppressing evidence, then I'm like, I don't need to listen to Bill Cosby albums. And then, like, that balloons into more people. I start, like, actually deleting Bill Cosby albums. And, uh, you know, there's there's sort of, like, a swinging scale on that. I definitely don't feel good enough about Johnny Depp right now with that one photo being out there that I've seen to see the next Pirates movie. unless I Or Alice in Wonderland, which is, or whatever it's called in theaters right now. Yeah, I'm yeah. taking I guess a stand. The other thing would be I'm price, taking a stand at not seeing price. Alice through the looking glass because wow, it's uh, brave. Defense. I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> brave. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, but then again, it's easier. It's very convenient. And I wrote about this in the same IndieWire thing. I mean, it's convenient that... Um, that most of Woody Allen's great movies, and I don't think this is a particularly controversial thing to say, even for people who enjoy a number of his later films, were made prior to the allegations of uh, sexual assault against him. Um, I think that that is, it makes it a lot easier. Now, of course, you could say that he would not have been in a position to make some of those later films if, if you know, this has been, uh, if the allegations against him come early in his career, but... Well, but then you yeah, see, but Roman Polanski won an Oscar after well, that, the yeah, that's, horrifying that's, allegations against him. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you guys as a way of wrapping this up, I guess, which was who has overcome those odds and then who has well, tried to, who has tried, or overcome the odds? Has or, Roman Polanski even overcome them? I mean, just today, on the day that we're recording this, there was a New York Times article about how they are once again trying to get the ball rolling on extra. Well, they're definitely always after him, but... Uh, I shouldn't say overcome the odds because it's not like I'm rooting for. Not like these Polanski. are the victims here, right? Yeah. So uh, in this way, I mean, um, uh, is able to bypass the scandal and still produce work in a successful way. But I'm also curious about if anyone comes to mind who hasn't, who has tried to put something back out there. I guess I'm thinking about Wiener. You know, we talked about Anthony <laughs> Wiener's uh, documentary the other day, and like, there's a guy who's like, oh no, scandal, not a big deal. I'm a privileged white man. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Here, I'm going to run for mayor. Oh, wait. No, yeah, everything's biting in the ass. Who, cheating who, on your wife in the dumbest way possible is very different twice. than beating her. Twi- it, it was the twice that did it. Like, it wasn't yeah. an old scandal that came up. It was new. No, true, and, true. No, and, and it, it hurt him irreparably, but it's not, uh, you know, again, all these things are, are relative, of course. Um, I mean, I guess Bill wonder, Clinton is an example. But I also wonder that if it's getting if it's getting harder now, and I mean that the, the best way, that if... Uh, uh, if Roman Polanski had pulled the same shit that he's accused of doing in 2016 rather than you know, 40 years ago. Yeah. Swinging uh, 70s. He, yeah, if he would not have come back because we are more vigilant, we right. are less tolerant, we are more woke. Uh, women than, have more of a voice in all of this. Yeah, now. women oh, totally. have more of a voice. And, you know, while there are, for every one of these stories, there are way too many people who are rushing to the, the to say the wrong things. Um the, there are more than ever, I think, of course, people who are allies, who are understanding, see a certain pattern of behavior unfold over the last however many decades and centuries and uh, and realize that there may be something to that. Yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm just wondering, I'm thinking about you, Katie. Later this year, 
Mel Gibson will put a movie, Hacksaw Ridge, out into the world, this uh, mm-hmm. war drama starring Andrew Garfield. And I remember that Deadline ran this big report maybe two months ago that are like, holy shit, everyone who just saw it thinks it's amazing. They're going to put in a primo awards slot. But I keep thinking, like, is Mel Gibson about to do this political ca- – is the the Wiener political campaign? Is he going to go out there and be – and everyone's just going to suddenly hate him? Um, this yeah. man that, as I mentioned, Shane Black says, cannot open a movie in Hollywood, is going to go on the awards trail. Is that like a no, political I mean, campaign? Mel Can you do really, that? He's really interesting because he didn't – as far – I don't – well, no, he, I guess he did have domestic violence charges from his girlfriend, so never mind. I was going to say he didn't hurt anybody, but – he did apparently. No, I mean he's an interesting <sighs> example. Like I, yeah, I it, I'm kind of a I, I like to believe that people are not defined by the worst thing that they've ever done. Yes. Um and I think Will Gibson's gonna really try to make that case. But I think, you know, this is where we find out if we can't avoid Although uh, Sam Worthington is also it. in this movie, so I don't but know. Hey, Oscars I'm a Sam are, Worthington supporter. Okay? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the the Oscars are an interesting thing. On the one hand, I think that if you are part of the industry and so much again of, of these decisions lest uh, they rest less on the consumers than they do uh, on the people in the industry who are funding these things. If you are going to agree to be in the Mel Gibson business, then the business of awarding those films need to recognize him as much as they would anyone else whose films they made possible. But uh, I would have no trouble... I mean, I would have trouble writing a rave review of a Mel Gibson movie because I have trouble imagining him being in a movie worth raving about because um, he's just made nothing but utter dog shit starting with one of the worst movies I've ever seen, which is The Passion of the Christ. But, uh, and I say this as someone who has a special place in the heart for Braveheart, but I would not have trouble writing a rave review about it, one of his new movies, in theory. I would have trouble going to a lunch in his honor mm. or interviewing him. Right. Well, uh, he just I got don't big raves. He just got big raves out be... of Cannes for another movie that he was starring in. This, yeah. uh, like, grungy. Yeah, he got, like, Grindhouse it sounded movie. okay. I mean, people were like, eh, it's fine. But the. You know, as a Jew, I I just don't really have any time for Mel Gibson as a person anymore. Wait, you're a Jew? Um, I know. And, like, I, I agree that people shouldn't be held accountable for the worst thing they've ever done. But like, No, no, they should be held I, accountable. They just shouldn't no, not, be defined not, not like, by oh, sorry. it. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> Let them off more. free. Let them go. <laughs> you get one but strike. I, I have looked into my heart, and uh, I've thought about it. I've been following Mel Gibson for almost as long as I've been alive. And I have decided that that, in my head... Um, as best as I can come to a logical conclusion, was not a one-off. That Mel Gibson actually is an anti-Semite, and that he hates Jews. Uh, and even if he could play nice with me in a 15-minute interview, <laughs> would still hate Jews. There's the line in and, the sand right there. Yeah, and so I, I just don't fucking care about him as a person. Uh, but if he stars in a great movie, I will tell you that he stars in a great movie. You know what I'm realizing makes me mad in this situation, and it's not a line in the sand for a specific person, but in general, is that. Men, when we're talking about domestic violence, specifically men, get away with it all the time. And famous men get away with it more than anyone. And I think the, the frustration just builds to an extent where you just want to see someone. Like, Mel Gibson never, uh, you know, served any time for beating up his girlfriend. Like, Christian Bale never served time for beating up his stepmom. Michael Fassbender's about, got a domestic violence. What about Josh violence. Brolin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so much I there. have sat in a room across from Josh Brolin. And you let him go. I did let him go. No, he's, I mean, he's terrifying. The man is a fucking, he's a gorilla. He's huge. He has hands that could crush my skull with just one of them. They ha- he uh, wears infinity stones around his hands, right? Does. Oh, wait. Yeah. Gauntlet. It, and I, I will be the first to tell you that while talking to him across, and he's an immensely charismatic guy in real life, um, I was afraid for Diane Lane. I mean, like, 
it's it's frightening uh and uh, yeah i i think i think Katie, you're absolutely right i mean it's like you do want to see but that's what i'm saying earlier about about hopefully there being a rising tide over the years and it's still nowhere near enough i mean it's still um it's not as if we've done our work and now justice is being served um but you can only hope that it continues to build rather than recede i guess the moral of this segment is if you're a celebrity and you feel the impulse to hit a woman in your life, just star in an Adam Sandler movie and get or, it out of your system. Or anyone, really. I mean, Adam Sandler, he probably would cast. If you're like, if it's keeping you from beating women, go be in an Adam Sandler movie. Whoever Look, if you Johnny Depp will be in a Kevin Smith movie, he'll certainly be in an Adam Sandler. Actually, oh Johnny Depp has been in an Adam Sandler movie. Jack and Jill. He's That's in it with right. Pacino. Can we, can we assume that anyone, by, by flipping that relationship on its ear, that anyone who's in the do-over... Is there because, because of they have the impulse violence. to beat a woman? <laughs> exactly. Oh this God. is their program they're working out. We just got well, to see it. That's the do-over. So that's Adam Sandler's <laughs> service to society is he's keeping yeah. wife beaters off the streets. That does it for this week's Fighting in the War Room. We won't have a review segment, but uh, hey, David, pop star, any good? Uh, kind of. All right. Better than That's My Boy? Yes. Better Great. than The Do-Over? Yes. Uh, but please also... And better than Me Before You? Oh, is I it? So. Oh, no. Oh, all right. Me Before You. Did you cry? No, but it on it sounded like I was watching fucking Showa in that room. All people <laughs> around me were weeping. Um, is, that, is it a Nicholas Sparks movie? No. No, it's better. It's better than Nicholas Sparks. I read the book. The book's pretty good. I mean, the book's fine. But yeah, it's. I, will I don't want to oversell it. Really backtracked. <laughs> it I know. I don't want to oversell it. it. It is a very uncynical, or as Pat has said to me earlier, don't you mean sincere? Uh, <laughs> it is, no, but I don't just mean sincere. I mean, it, it, there's. Everyone is like a sweet, real person in this movie. No one is evil, just evil, except for fucking Neville Longbottom, who's a total. Plays the doofus boyfriend who makes it not a difficult choice for the female lead uh, between the new guy and the doofus boyfriend because he's such an impossible doofus that of course she shouldn't be with him. Uh, other than that, everyone is very sweet, and so it built it has a real part about it. Tonight. Well, so you can go see those movies, and uh, but we won't have a review of them. But uh, do please uh, give us your like and wrong question because I really like this question. I want to hear what you think. And in the meantime, everybody else, uh, tell people who you are. I'm Matt Patches. I'm the senior entertainment editor of Thrillist.com, and I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And we have a website, fightinginthewarm.com, where you can listen to the episodes, you can share them on various platforms, or you can leave comments responding to any of the segments from this episode, and you should. We talked about a lot of interesting stuff, right? We did. It was kind of fun. Uh, I'm David Ehrlich. I'm the senior film critic for IndieWire. You can find my reviews by at least the end of this week of both Popstar and Me Before You on IndieWire. You can find all of us together not talking about those movies, but talking about anything else you might want on Facebook, Fighting in the War Room. I'm Dave Gonzalez, spell my first name DA70, I write for Geek.com, Latino-Interview.com, and I've been doing a lot of podcasting this week. Uh, there's a two-part thought bubble that includes Joanna and I discussing X-Men Apocalypse, if you want a counterpoint to our review episode last week. And then, of all, as always, in Storm of Spoilers season, there's a Storm of Spoilers episode, like you'd expect in the season. And I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at VanityFair.com. 
and on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And as mentioned before, Twitter's a great place to talk to us and also answer this week's lightning round question. I do want to hear what you have to say about it. What was it? In honor of pop star Never Stop Never Stopping, what is your favorite performance of an SNL vet? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Finest girl I ever met in my whole life. Want to take a homemade from my wife. Knew she was a freak when she started talking. She said, fuck me like we fucked Bin Laden. That girl was a freak. She said she wanted me to fuck her harder than the military. Fuck Bin Laden. kind of girl kept up on current events from all around the world more specifically one event at the time I saw my being lighting